Good morning, everybody. Yeah, my name is Simon, and I get to be part of the leadership team here. And it's my privilege to draw this series on family matters to a close today. It's week five. And um, to close, I wanted to, to start off by doing a bit of a recap or a rounding up of the series as a whole before we get onto the topic of unity, as uh, Steph said, and as Steph remembered to send the unity <laughs> in there. So let's just have a little bit of a recap about what this series on family matters has been about. So we've got some slides just to pop up. So in the first week, we talked about vision and mission and value. So vision is what we want things to look like. Mission is what we've got to do, what we've got to accomplish to realize, to make real that vision. And values, our five C values, are what we abide by along the way. And I talked about that in the first week. Next one, please, Kim. So just to remind you, Jesus' vision. That's the vision we're following, Jesus' vision. Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not stand against it. That's Jesus' vision. That must be the one that we're following. Our part in that, then, is to make EBC a church that unchurched people love to become part of. Because if they become part of it, well, the church will be built. The church will be growing. And we say we're a church that exists to love God, love people, and grow together to become more like Jesus. And the clue is in that grow together. You could say build together. Jesus builds his church. And that's our part in it. Next one, please, Kim. And then we get on to mission. Well, Jesus gave what we, we've come to know as the Great Commission. Go and make disciples of all nations. Teach everybody what I've taught you and baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So that then is our mission. Go and make disciples. And as Matt talked about in the second week, we do that by all possible means, reaching out to unchurched people and engaging with them by all possible means, meeting them on their turf and on their terms to engage with them and to bring them here to this church and to teach them, just as Jesus told us to do. So that implies that, that mission, that the way that we go about it, by all possible means, saving some, that implies outreach, not just sitting here on a Sunday and hoping people will come, but outreach to people, inviting people to come welcoming environments, doing everything we can to make this a, a warm and welcoming and an excellent environment. And then Steph picked up on giving generously with all that we've been given, all of our gifts and skills and abilities and financially, to give generously and sacrificially to help build this church and help build Jesus' church. Uh, Rob talked about serving and he talked about what a great privilege it is to serve. And if you were here, you'll remember he talked about having, he had a really important job and he was, he was uh, really successful in business. But that, as Rob said, was as nothing compared to the humble acts of service that each of us and, and he is able to do in this church, far outweighing any worldly success. Servant-heartedness is what Jesus taught and demonstrated. And I think we were reminded really powerfully of that. So using our gifts to serve and discipling, all of this is to say we are teaching what Jesus taught and hopefully modeling and demonstrating 
what Jesus modeled and demonstrated. That's discipling people, reading the Bible, going to him in prayer, giving our lives to him, helping other people to get to know God, discipling. If you've missed any of the talks, I really would encourage you to go onto our EBC website and just have a listen to the talks that you missed out on. Because this is about our church family. Our family matters. And our church family matters. That's the whole point of this series. Next one, please, Kim. So just to sum up, this was my little mnemonic that I came up with to capture our C values. We are a caring, committed community, celebrating and communicating effectively the love of God in Jesus Christ. And I reminded you in that first week that that's the preeminent bit, that we are rooted in Jesus Christ. If we're to be successful, if we're to serve and model and disciple people, and if we're to live out these C values, we must be rooted in Jesus Christ. And I I preach from a passage from um, John's account of Jesus' life in the New Testament part of the Bible, where Jesus compares himself to a vine and his disciples as the branches of the vine and his father, the gardener. And if we're not part of the vine, we can't be fruitful. So we must be part of the vine. And I think I said, without the vine, there is no wine. There is no fruit. There are no disciples if we're not rooted in him ourselves. Okay, so that's my little recap. So today, unity. And this really picks up directly on the truth that Matt talked about, that church isn't a building. Church is not a building. Church is the body of Christ, the body of disciples, the followers of Christ. Each with our own individual abilities, just like the hands and feet are part of the body and each has its own role to play. So each of us is a part of the body of Christ. And without each other, we're incomplete. No matter what we're good at and less good at, together, just like the parts of a body, we're important to each other and we're incomplete without each other. But effective, if and only if, like that picture of the vine, we remain part of the whole if we remain in Jesus Christ. Now I'm going to preach about unity today and there's a passage from the Bible that uh, is really important to me and actually it it appears in John's account uh, just a couple of chapters after John 15 where Jesus gives that picture of the vine so John 17 is what I'm going to read through today and actually you're in for a lot of the Bible today which I think is a good thing because I'm going to read the whole chapter and it's almost all except the first line it's all Jesus talking and it's Jesus's prayer not very long before he went to be crucified. And it's, it's such an important passage because if you think about it, he knew he was going to die. He knew he was going to go through that torment on the cross. Think about this. If you knew you were going to go through that tomorrow, what would you pray for? Well, I don't know what you would pray for, but I can bet it's pretty important. It would be something right at the top of what's important to you, wouldn't it? And this, we get to listen in on Jesus' prayer. And it's a really powerful one for me because I heard this preached at New Wine in, I think it was 2011. New Wine is a Christian festival and a bunch of us went away. And every morning for a week, uh, there was a a little pastor, little Scottish pastor called uh, Kenny Borthwick. 
And he spent about two hours each morning of that week going through John 17. I'm not going to keep you for 10 hours today, but I wish I, I wish I could give some of the impact. And my prayer is I can give you some of what Kenny gave me that day. Not just because it's a beautiful passage. Well, it would be, wouldn't it? Because it's Jesus talking to his father. But because it was the first time that somebody had really opened the Bible up for me. And it really came to life. And I went and got the same translation that he used, which is the New Living Translation. And it just, it just came alive for me. Well, I hope I can give that, a little bit of that to you today. If you would call yourself a follower of Jesus, know this. This prayer is for you. This prayer that I'm going to read to you is for you. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you wouldn't yet call yourself that. Well, you're kind of off the hook. But you might want to listen in anyway and just hear what Jesus had to say about how much God loves his followers and how you can recognize his followers. Just a little bit of context. This was just before Jesus um, was crucified. And it was a time when he was saying to his disciples that he'd be leaving them, but he'd send them the advocate, the Holy Spirit. And in a short while again, they'd see him again. And they were really confused by this. Well, I guess you would be, wouldn't you? And Jesus sees their confusion and their, their pain and their angst. And he kind of told them not to worry, that he would be leaving them, but he would be back. And he saw that they believed. He saw that they really and truly, perhaps for the first time, really believed that he'd been sent by God. And that everything he taught them was the truth. And Jesus clarified for them that God the Father loves them. And that God the Father had sent Jesus to be with them. And that whilst he was soon returning to the Father, they would see him again. So that they were to take heart. And then Jesus goes off to pray. Happily for us, John must have followed him and listened in. Because we have this amazing, amazing record of Jesus' prayer. I'm going to go through it. It is a long prayer. I'm going to go through it and just pick out some bits as we go. So it will come up on the screen. Please, Ken. So after saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you. For you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life. Let's lean into this then. This is the way to have eternal life. To know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. That is the way to eternal life. Jesus just reveals it plainly. To know the one true God and Jesus Christ, the one sent to earth. Jesus says, I brought you glory I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. That is revealing God. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. And if you're kind of new to this church stuff, well, know this. Jesus wasn't just around 2,000 years ago in human form. Jesus was around with the Father and the Holy Spirit before creation. Before the world began. Next slide, please. He says, I have revealed you to the ones you gave me from this world. They were always yours. 
You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know, now they know that everything I have is a gift from you. For I have passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it and know that I came from you, and they believe you sent me. My prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me, because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you, and you have given them to me, so they bring me glory. What does Jesus mean by that, so they bring me glory? The glory of God is, is the revelation of God. It's God revealed to man and worshipped by man. And Jesus revealed himself and revealed God to his disciples. But through his disciples, even today, God is revealed. There is revelation of God. Okay, again. Now I'm departing from the world. They are staying in this world, but I'm coming to you, Holy Father. Sorry, I'm coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that not one was lost except the one headed for destruction as the scriptures foretold. Just pause there. He's, he's referring to Judas there, the one that is heading for destruction. But talking about protecting them by the power of his name. It occurs to me that this is like, if, if I can make this analogy, it's a bit like if you remember the Godfather film, and people in the family would come under the protection of the family. They would come under the protection of the Godfather. They were a name. They were under the family name and under his protection, so no one would touch them. Well, it just, it just struck me as I was preparing for this. This is God the Father. We're under his protection because we're part of his family through our faith and belief in Jesus. That's what this means. We're protected as part of the family. We're under the family name. Sons and daughters of God. Now I am coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world so that they would be filled with my joy. I have given them your word. And the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. And what he's saying here is the world hated him and hates people who know him. Why is that? Well, if you've got people who are sinful and behaving badly... And then in front of them, there's an example of somebody who isn't like that, who isn't a gossip and a backbiter and doing nasty things and selfish and mean-spirited. People who are like that are shown up by that. They do not like it. Some of them may respond to it. And that's our job, to try to help people to respond to it and to win them over from that worldly, sinful nature that's somewhere in each of us. But a lot of people in the world will hate to see it because it reveals their nature and they don't like to see it. They don't like to be faced up to it. Then he says, make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, 
I'm sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. And we can be made holy by God's truth. We can read it every day. It's, it's here, available to be read every day. We can steep ourselves in God's word, God's truth, every day if we choose to. If you soak yourself in something, it will drip out of you. What will you soak yourself in? What will you soak yourself in? Because we can soak ourselves in the truth of God whenever we want to. We're that fortunate to have this. Then he says this, and this is what we're getting to today. He says, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. He's praying then for us today, for all who will ever believe in him through the message of those first disciples. Billions of Christians, since he said those words, built by, he's built his church through that word being spread by his disciples from generation to generation. And he's praying for us in this prayer. What does he pray for us? I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. Isn't that incredible? He prays for that level of unity amongst his followers, that it will be just like he and his Father and the Spirit, that closely together, that united. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us, so that the world will believe you sent me. The world will believe that God the Father sent Jesus because of the unity that we as his church demonstrate. That's powerful and that is really challenging. May they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me, sons and daughters of the Most High God, so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me, just like the vine and the branches of the vine. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me. Get this, and that you love them as much as you love me. Can you see why this passage moved me when I heard it opened up? The world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you've given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. O oh, righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these disciples know you sent me. I have revealed you to them and will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them. And I will be in them. So Jesus' prayer focused on God's love for his disciples. And that was the last prayer he prayed that we know about before he went to be crucified. Why? Why was that so important to him? Important to his vision of a church that he would build. A united church. 
a united body of disciples, not just a building full of attenders, but the united body of Christ, following him all the way to heaven. And I've said this before, we don't just want to look after people. We want a heaven of a lot more for them than that. And this is the way, by discipling them, by being disciples, rooted in Christ and discipling people. Reaching out to bring people with us on the way. So as we reach the end of this series, I, I hope you're clear. And if you're not, please do listen back to the other talks in this series. I hope you're really clear about our vision and our mission and our values as a church. Hopefully we've clarified what church is and much more importantly, whose it is. We are set an example by Jesus we are commanded by Jesus and we're prayed for by Jesus. I think we should be united behind him. The way that we do church, disciples reaching out to unchurched people and discipling them, aligns precisely with Jesus' teaching to us, his example to us and his prayer for us. So we should be really crystal clear about our Jesus-based vision and mission and united behind him. We should be fully and joyfully behind what he is doing, building his church. A church against which the gates of hell cannot stand. And we spread the word by inviting people, by welcoming them, by giving of our time, our finances our gifting, by serving each other and unchurched people, reaching out to them as best we can. And by modeling ourselves as best we can and through the good work of the Spirit in us, the grace and the humility and the love of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Just as we come into a time now just to think about that and respond to it I just want you to think about anything from the past that you might be holding on to that's stopping you from being a disciple of Jesus anything that's been on your heart on your mind from the past or, or the present that's stopping you holding you back from your commitment to God to Jesus and this, his church a couple of weeks back, Steph mentioned a different community, not a church community, but one that was really united. It struck her that they were all very much for each other and, and united and aligned, no matter their kind of differences in the world. And it, it made me think of a concert. I've been lucky enough to go to loads of concerts, some with thousands, some with tens of thousands of people, all loads of different people, but all singing the same song in unity and mostly in the same key all lots of different people and it struck me I wonder what it's like to be the person who wrote the song and have tens of thousands of people singing the song you wrote back to them in perfect unity I, I imagine that would be a really powerful thing and I wonder if that's what it's like for God as he builds his church and sees people joining in with that so I found this clip which I'll show you in a sec it's a clip from uh, a concert 
Uh, it's Noel Gallagher, formerly uh, of Oasis. He wrote all the songs. And he was off on tour in Buenos Aires. And he sings this very famous song of his, Don't Look Back in Anger. And he invites the crowd to join in on the chorus. And you can see from the clip that it really moves him emotionally. And I just wonder if it might be a little bit like that for God, for Jesus. As he goes about building his church and inviting us to join in. So just as we watch this, just think about, is there anything that's holding me back from joining in that great work, Jesus' work of building his church? Is there anything that's stopping you as Jesus builds his church and invites you, me, us, to join in on the chorus?